Welcome everybody to Firehouse Talks with Jersey Rick, Igniting Leadership Excellence. This is episode one, our introduction and why leadership. I'm Rick and this is my able assistant, Emily. Hi. Emily, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. Uh, Well, I'm Emily. I'm Rick's daughter (laughs) and I'm thrilled to be getting to do this podcast with him. Uh, I have my own baking business. I bake cake pops that I run with my mom that I absolutely love doing. But now on the side, I'll be a podcast host with my dad. (laughs) That's right. And Emily's cake pops are absolutely fantastic. Uh, The unfortunate thing about her cake pops is for those who live outside the state of Colorado, she's not allowed to ship based off the rules and regulations that she operates under. So myself, Jersey Rick, As you can imagine, I was born and raised in New Jersey. I've been around the fire service since three years old. I had my first ride in a fire engine when I was three in the Memorial Day Parade in our hometown. Following year, my dad gave me his badge. He was a volunteer firefighter back before the Korean War in southern New Jersey as well. What happened is there was a big fire down town in the Delaware Bay called Fortescue. And as the trucks were coming by, you could hear them. And my dad would take me, we would go stand out on the side of the street and we'd wave at the firemen and they'd wave back. Those were the days when the guy still rode on the tailboard. And incidentally, when I came on the job too, for several years, we rode on the tailboard as well. So as the years progressed, my aunt who lived next door, she worked with a fellow named Frenchie. At Danson Baker, it was an international farm wall dealership in Cedarville, New Jersey. He was also a volunteer firefighter. And Frenchie knew my interest in the fire service. And he would send fire equipment catalogs home with Aunt Phyllis, and she'd pass them along to me. Frenchie would also work it out that my dad would take me down to the firehouse, and they'd put me up on the trucks. And so I had a lifelong interest in the fire service. I've been around it a long time. From the unfortunate standpoint, um, I found my dad on the floor, dead from a heart attack uh, when I came home from school one day. And after that, I started hanging out at the firehouse uh, down the street. And I'm sure initially those guys thought, hey, you know, what, what does he want? Why is he here? It was a small town. Everybody knew everybody. And so they knew what had happened to my dad. Uh, but I loved hanging out at the firehouse, and Frenchie, he played a integral role in my growth in the fire service. He allowed me to hang out down there when there were fires, and, and eventually uh, I was sweeping the floors, helping clean hose. And then the big thrill for you know a teenage kid answering the phone at the firehouse and, and talking on the radio. For some, that might not be a big deal, but for me, it was. And two other influences that have taken place in my life were the television show Emergency, when that came out on NBC, and we watch it still. Uh, We record the episodes, and I religiously watch that show every Saturday night at 8 p.m. on KYW-TV, Channel 3, out of Philadelphia. And another thing that was very instrumental in my life and growth in the fire service was Dennis Smith, who passed away a couple of years ago. He was a firefighter at FDNY at the South Bronx, and he wrote a book called Report from Engine Company 82. And tying all these things together, 
watching the firemen from the neighboring town of Ferriton, because our town didn't have an ambulance or a rescue squad. When they loaded my dad up in the back of the ambulance, I said, this is what I'm going to do for a career. And then emergency and the book report from engine company 82. Yeah. You know, Emily, it's, it just really drove me. And then there was another publication and it was called The Visiting Fireman. And I had subscribed to that. And through that, I got to meet a lot of firefighters, you know, from around the world and corresponded with them. Uh, one was a fellow named Rich Gardner. He had been retired out of Philadelphia Fire Department and retired out as a lieutenant. And he'd had a number of heart attacks himself. And Rich would spend a lot of time on the phone with me, just talking about the job and encouraging me. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it was cool. And then in 1973, uh, my mom took me to a parade over in Millville, New Jersey, when Millville got a brand new ladder truck. And back east, and I presume I, I see these things still sometimes, is the big parades. When mm -hmm. a fire department got a new rig, opened up a new firehouse, uh, celebrated an anniversary. It was a big deal. Hmm. It'd have parades and mugs and ceramic and glass, both, and sometimes plates. And I started collecting cool. those things. Well, through the process of that, there was one guy that was showing up at all of those parades. His name was Bill Proudman. And Bill was the reserve fire chief for the Philadelphia Reserve Fire Force. And he'd been around a long, a long time. And I, and I don't know what year Bill died. Uh, but, man, that guy had an incredible knowledge of the Philadelphia Fire Department. And, uh, Bill would spend time with me. So Bill and Rich and, you know, these guys, Frenchie, uh, other guys there in Cedarville, uh, Mikey Scarlato was the fire chief. And, and it's interesting to see that, you know, his two sons have grown up to be firefighters as well. And I'm not sure you knew this. I don't know if I, I ever, ever shared some of this with you, Emily. But in Bridgeton High School, they would have junior. <laughs> There's a reason why Emily's laughing. And for those of you who are watching who are familiar with South Jersey or in particular Bridgeton, you'll know why Emily was probably chuckling. <laughs> <laughs> inside joke. <laughs> yeah, inside. Yeah, it's an inside joke. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, and I don't know if they still do this or not, but they had junior government week. And in my senior year of high school, me and my buddies were talking about it, and they said, hey, you ought to put your name in and, and run for fire chief. And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, I'll tell you how this goes. It's all the popular kids. And I certainly wasn't one of the popular kids. And I said, I who wins? They're either a popular kid or they're the first person alphabetically on the ballot. And so I said, I'll, I'll do it. You know, And I wound up, well, hey, Davis, first guy on the ballot, <laughs> guess who won? I did. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, so I became the fire chief for that week of junior government week. And, you know, got to go down to the firehouse there in Bridgeton. And, and unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the fire chief right now. But what was interesting is, you know, when I was three years old, there I was riding on the back of the fire engine in the Memorial Day Parade in Cedarville. And here I am. I'm in my senior year of high school. I had already joined the Cedarville Fire Company, and I'm already on the delayed enlistment program for the Air Force. And now I'm riding in one of Bridgeton's engines in the Memorial Day Parade in Cedarville. It was a Mac, wow. a Mac fire engine, which... Hey, for you firefighters out there that are watching, you know, if you never had the opportunity to work with a Mack fire truck, they were the best. I don't care what anybody else says. Much, much different than the stuff that's on the streets out there today. But as I just mentioned, 
Yeah, when I turned 18, I put in my application, joined the fire company there in Cedarville. And yes, I can't remember who it was. They, they shared with me that there was a debate about me coming on board because of me joining the military. Yeah, but some of the guys said, he's going to be here anyway. Let him come on. <laughs> and, and I did. And, and I stayed on with uh, Cedarville. I believe it was all the way up until approximately 1982. Uh, when I did go into the military, I was able to travel up and down because I stationed North Carolina. Oh, cool. And I was able to travel up and down uh, I-95 and go hang out at the firehouse and do you know what I, I love doing. And uh, Cedarville Fire Company has a very special place in my heart. And had then and it still has now it's my first fire department i remember so many of the guys and i already mentioned you know frenchy and, and uh, mikey scarlato who was the chief there's other guys you know roy sharp was the assistant chief at the time uh ed bradford you know he lived down the street from us you know he had taken me underneath his wing as well, Sonny Donato, uh, Joe Spiegelmeyer, uh, Donald Bateman. You know, it's amazing now how some of these names, you know, come come to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, uh, folks, as my fire service career progressed, I did become a firefighter in the Air Force. And I would have made the Air Force a career had it not been for the fact that the Air Force was going to send me back to my original career field. And he said, yeah, that ain't happening. So I got out and I went into civil service with the Air Force as a firefighter, decided to go to college, ran out of money, tried to get back in the Air Force, and I couldn't. That's how I wound up in the Marine Corps as a firefighter. Marine Corps Reserves down at uh, Buckley Air Force Base. And there was no fire truck there, though, so that's a whole different story. I'll, I'll share some other time. And I liked it so much, I applied for active duty, and I was accepted. And I got back into firefighting full-time at Marine Air Station, Yuma, Arizona. And not long after that, uh, the uh, career planner came to me and said, Davis, there's too many NCOs and crash crew. Pick a job. Shoved the three-ring binder in front of me with what's called the dream sheet on it. <laughs> and the dream sheet is you get a list of jobs that you think that you'd like to do or the places you'd like to go. And there's a reason it's called the dream sheet. They're not going to give it to you. Yeah, cause, yeah, cause, <laughs> yeah, you ain't going to get it. <laughs> and so yeah yep and so i got put into aviation operations and went to naval air station meridian mississippi for school and then hey back to north carolina again and that's where i was at until I injured my knees and the marine corps put me out on a medical discharge but at that time that's when i had already been introduced to who's now my wife uh deb and Emily's mom and came out here to Colorado and got married. We've been married now over 36 years. And I got on board with Loveland Fire Rescue, spent a career 30 years with Loveland Fire. Started out as a firefighter, an engineer, was hired in at that rank, promoted up to lieutenant. And then my last 15 years on the fire department was as a battalion chief. All that time in operations. I uh, had a 15-month stint in training, which is still considered operations. So, folks, I'm an operational guy. Uh, you know, there's some people that they rotate out into uh, fire prevention, which, which now the uh, fire service uh, word for it is community risk reduction. Uh, we'll, we'll see what that gets changed to in another 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I operations. So I'm an operational guy. So also, and I have to reach over here to get this because I forgot to get it before we started. 
Did you know any of this stuff, Emily, or some of it? I did not know half of this stuff. Yeah, it's, cool. It's been really cool sharing yeah, with me. Yeah, great. Yeah, so when I was on the job, still on the job, I authored this book here. Let's get the glare off of it. There we go. The Furnace of Leadership Development. The subtitle is How to Mold Integrity and Character in Today's World. This book is also on ebook format. And right now, I am in the process of recording, turning it into an audio book. So, everybody, that is our background. I love the fire service. I've been around it for a long time. That's all Emily has known. Yeah, as, I was going to say that. Yeah. I was say, as a daughter, I love the fire service. Um, I loved being a firefighter's daughter. I grew up in the fire world my entire life, and it, I always love telling friends that my dad was a fireman because he has always been my hero to me, but you were like a real life hero. And so I absolutely love the fire service. Um, any Anything that is serving our country or our community, I just absolutely love and support wholeheartedly. Emily, why don't you tell people, I know this is off our outline, but that mm -hmm. that's okay because people can get an opportunity to know both of us and know our background. Uh, tell everybody what it was like when I was on duty for Christmas, Christmas Eve, mm. <laughs> Thanksgiving, holidays like that. What what did we do? Well, I think for one, being in a fireman's family, you have to learn adaptability mm. and flexibility. And so learned that plans could drop in a dime because he could get called out to a fire and you had to learn to be okay with that. And so, um, but you still made holidays really special. We would spend holidays sometimes at the fire department, like a lot of Thanksgivings, Christmases. Um, a lot of times though, like right when you get down to eat, uh, they would get called out on a call. So then we're left with the families kind of getting to know them, um, which was fun. Um, sometimes a little bit awkward because like we don't know, we don't know each other. Um, but yeah, but we would... Um, Celebrate Christmas sometimes on Christmas Eve if your schedule landed that you were working on Christmas Day. And so we would do all of our same Christmas traditions, but just do it on Christmas Eve and open up presents and all of that. And like I said, we would come down to the firehouse to visit you on the holiday itself or uh, if it fell where we had to do it like the next day, we would celebrate. There were a couple years where we actually got, got up at like 3 a.m. in the morning on Christmas <laughs> Day to celebrate. And we were like dead tired. And my sister and I were like, okay, it's not worth it to celebrate on mm -hmm. Christmas on Christmas Day with it being this early. Like we're okay doing it some other days as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we just learned to adapt and visit you in the station if we could. And if not, then you know, mom would take us girls and we would go do special things with, um, you know, my grandparents in town or our friends. Yeah. So you just, it really is like a life of adaptability. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. And some of you may be wondering, hey, we heard Ricky started out in Cedarville and you mentioned being a firefighter in the Air Force and the Marine Corps. <laughs> and then your last 30 years at Loveland Fire Rescue in Colorado. But where were you stationed when you were a firefighter in both branches of the service? Initially, as a firefighter in the Air Force, I was at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in North Carolina, Goldsboro, North Carolina. The fire school was at Chanute Air Force Base in Rantoul, Illinois. 
out in the middle of the cornfields. <laughs> then I went from Seymour Johnson to Lowry Air Force Base in Denver, Colorado, which was a major major cultural shift for me because at Seymour Johnson, we had F-4E fighter jets, B-52 bombers, KC-135 tankers, T-33 trainers, T-38 trainers, the North American Air Defense Command. They had an alert pad over on the east side of the airfield, and initially they were flying uh, F-105 fighters, and then they transitioned to F-106 fighters. And then the B-52s and the KC-135s are part of Strategic Air Command, so SAC, and SAC had an alert pad over on the west side of the field where the B-52s were armed with the nukes. So it was a very, very busy base there. So I went from that down the Lowry where it was all just structural because it was a training base. So that was quite a cultural shock. When I transitioned over to federal civil service to get in, I had to go up to Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I did my required 90 days there and I transferred down to Buckley Air Force Base here in Aurora, Colorado. My time in the Marine Corps uh, as a firefighter was at Marine Air Station, Yuma, Arizona. Afterwards, as I mentioned, NAS Meridian, then back to Marine Air Station, Cherry Point, North Carolina. And during that time, I also had a deployment with the 4th Marine Amphibious Brigade out on board the USS Mount Whitney. So for those of you who are veterans, that's my uh, military background. So Emily, we said today, episode one was going to be introduction. And then our question is, why leadership? Yeah, and I would just like to make a quick comment mm -hmm. on a side note. It's so cool hearing all those people from the time you were three to like 18 and beyond who influenced your mm -hmm. career and the fire department. And it's coming full circle because you're doing that with those who are up and coming and you've helped guide and influence a lot of men mm -hmm. and women who are now in the fire department as well. So I think that's just so it's just cool to see that progression. Yeah, thank you, Emily. And that's something that will be left for another episode is influencing people and mentoring people. In addition to starting this podcast, I had a business that I created along with the release of the book. And my business is called Fire Officer Leadership Academy. And it's my intent and desire to pour into people in the fire service. Now, granted, I know with a podcast and some of the other things that I'm doing with my business, it benefits people beyond the fire service. And that's fantastic because leadership is not just confined to the fire service, but what we do in the fire service definitely can apply to people who are not in. But I believe very, very firmly and my purpose in life back in April of 2015, the fire chief that we had then, his name was Mark Miller. He wanted to have us sit down, we being the uh, chief officers, mm -hmm. sit down and actually define what our purpose is. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew what my purpose was, but it was really a nice exercise to really hone that thing down. And what I came away from out of that day and a half uh, seminar was, is my purpose is to impact and lead other, excuse me, let me try that one again, <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> impacting others through teaching and leading. Uh, sometimes you could tell, you know, 
Uh, English is not some of my best, my best bit stuff. Bit of a tongue right twister. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a tongue twister. And why do I know that? And this is a good place to uh, insert that. 2008, our other daughter, Rebecca, and I were out for a breakfast on 4th of July. And after we got done eating a Cracker Barrel, uh, Rebecca said, hey, Dad, let's go over to the Christian bookstore. And I said, okay. Well, there was this book that really caught my attention, and it had a bright Hunter Safety orange cover. Hmm. And it was called Finishing Well. And I thought I was already reading two books at the time. And I kept coming back to it. Ultimately, I picked up the book and I bought it. And even though I've been reading the Bible uh, since I was about, I guess, 22, 23 years old, that's when I trusted Christ in the firehouse at Lowry Air Force Base, is I, I've seen this verse a number of times, but it really soaked in this time. And it is Luke 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 48, to whom much is given much is required and to whom more is given even more is required so i have a philosophy and a belief to give back to others i've been able god has blessed me and has allowed me to live way beyond the age of my dad when he died and then also in 2013 i went through acute kidney failure and cancer and there's a difference, there's a whole different story associated with that. But God has allowed me to live mm -hmm. up to this point right here. And I want to take what I have and give that back to others. But we'll talk more about the influencing and so forth like that. So let's get back to uh, the topic there that we want to discuss today before we wrap up. Yeah. So uh, why should we discuss leadership? Yeah, it's a good question. There's a, You can run down to... Barnes and Noble, the used bookstore, hop on the internet, just searching the word leadership, you're going to get thousands upon thousands of hits. Over at Barnes and Noble, there's hundreds of books oh, yeah. on leadership. So there's a lot. So why? Why? Well, why did I write a book on leadership? Because with all the plethora of information that is out there, all the books, all the podcasts, all the blogs, magazine articles, all of that stuff, there is still a lack of leadership in this country. Absolutely. And here in a, uh, in a minute or so, we're going to give a definition of what leadership is. I'm going to mention John Maxwell, uh, which folks, I'm also a member of the John Maxwell leadership team. I joined that after I retired from Loveland Fire Rescue in May of 2020. And starting in 2020 and maybe possibly 2021, uh, John Maxwell began saying that he's leadership sad. Why is he leadership sad? Because there is a lack of leadership in the country. And not only in the country, but in the world. And then let's, let's distill it down even further. There's a lack of leadership at the state levels. At the county levels, at the local levels, there's a lack of leadership in the home. For so sure. that's why I have a I have a burden to teach leadership, character-based leadership, values-based yeah. leadership, because there's a lot of people out there that lack character. And and we could we could spend three hours on that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> that could be a big discussion. Yeah, yeah, sure could. Unfortunately. So what is leadership? Yeah, there's a number of definitions out there for leadership. And I mentioned John Maxwell. 
And John says, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. I like that definition. But here's another one from Lieutenant General John A. Lejeune. He was the 13th Commandant of the Marine Corps. And General Lejeune said, leadership is the sum of those qualities of intellect, human understanding, and moral character that enables a person to inspire and control a group of people successfully. Moral character. Boy, that's sure lacking out there in today's world. It is. And the understanding, too, because you have to go in understanding people, understanding what you're leading and not just going in like dominating. Right. It's not domination. It's leadership and servant leadership. Yeah, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And before I uh, mention this other quote from uh, uh, General Lejeune, is a lot of people mistake leadership with what's on their sleeve mm -hmm. you know, in the military or, or law enforcement they have on sleeves or what's on the collar, you know, the brass, you know, so rank, title, position of authority. People think, well, that's leadership. You know, he or she's the boss, so they're the leader. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, uh, just because somebody has a rank, a title, or they're in a position of authority, that does not make them a leader. Hey, and I'll go ahead and say it, people. Look at the White House. <laughs> you know, they, that guy's the president of the United States, but there ain't nobody who's going to ever convince me one way or another that that guy is leading this country. No way. And that's a free political statement for today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, in that regard, not the White House, <laughs> in the regard to uh, if they're wearing a badge or not, like you always taught us um, as girls that you don't have to be in a boss mm -hmm. position or a position of authority in order to be a leader. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. Earlier this week, I had coffee with one of the men from Loveland Fire Rescue. He came on board the department half a year after I did. And uh, he's a engineer or driver operator, depending on the terminology from the fire department that you use. And he's a leader. He has a tremendous amount of influence over the, the people in the organization and other organizations as well. He's he's one of the finest engineers. I, I'll put him up against engineers in other fire departments across this country. Uh, but yeah. he, he's a leader, and you you are absolutely, absolutely correct. In, in the book, I mention a story of a nine-year-old boy a few years back over in Severance, Colorado, who wanted to have a snowball fight <laughs> with his brother. But they couldn't do it legally because of this arcane law on ordinance that was on the town records saying that you know, if you threw snowballs at somebody, you could get arrested. What? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Government. Yeah. And so this kid just wanted to have a snowball fight with his, with his brother. So nine years old, he went before the town council and petitioned them wow. to change the ordinance. And guess what? Hey, that kid's now having snowball fights. Good with his, with his brother. Yeah. So, yes, you, you're you absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. So what else okay. do we have here? So is there a difference between leadership and management? I think we covered this a little bit, but let's dive into it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, there, there is. And one of the things I'm also doing, folks, is weekly videos. And I'm posting them out on my Facebook page. 
And I'm talking about the fire service. And the one that I released this week was about resources, management, and leadership. And I discussed how myself as a battalion chief and incident commander would handle the resources that were arriving on scene of an emergency. Now, you could probably see in the back of me is a number of die-cast fire engines, <laughs> like things that are fire service Quite related. So, you know, for example, we would go to a residential structure fire and we would have the resources show up. Three engine companies, a tower, a heavy rescue, myself as the battalion chief, and an ambulance would come. And then depending on the time of the day, you know, a few staff vehicles would show up as well. So these are all resources. I need to manage those resources because when you're pulling up, you know, the, the house is on fire, the building's on fire, but people are running around like their hair's on fire. You know, <laughs> so you dismiss yeah. them and take care of all that chaos that's taking place and control the resources that are arriving on the scene. So I managed those resources mm -hmm. because they are things. But I led the people because they are human beings. Mm -hmm. And that is a big difference between management and leadership. Management is about systems and processes, which the incident command system is a process to manage the resources. However, the people that are on scene, they need to be led. Mm -hmm. So the big key factor between the two is leadership is about people and management is about things. That's so interesting. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way yeah. before. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So do leadership and management ever merge? Yes. And then in that example that I just gave of responding out on a structure fire, that's a prime example of where you see the leadership on one hand and the management, on the other hand, they merge. They mm -hmm. come together. We, If we all just purely had leadership, then a lot of things are going to fall off on the wayside because, you know, what happens to the systems? What happens to the processes? Well, they're not. It just falls apart. Yeah, it just, it just falls apart. Yeah. Now, and here's where a lot of problems get created, and this actually leads into our next question. Our next huh? question. So sorry for jumping ahead like that, <laughs> is, is where people try to manage human beings. Yes. It doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> you know, you have to lead them. You know, you want you want a good example of managing kids or people, rather kids, go out to the restaurant and you're sitting in there, you know, and three booths back is some family, you know, and they got little Johnny there that's wailing and squealing and won't sit still. And what's mom and dad saying to the kid? Now, 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 you know, if you don't calm down, you're not going to get any dessert. You know, I've, I've told you 10 times already. Yeah. Hey, that stuff doesn't work. No. You know, that, <laughs> that, that that's trying to manage the situation. Mm. When we try to manage situations like that, that are involving human beings, it creates problems. And later on this year, in one of our episodes, we are going to be talking about adaptive challenges and technical problems. We're going to be talking about adaptive leadership, a mm -hmm. concept that I learned when I was a student at the National Fire Academy's Executive Fire Officer Program. So don't manage people, lead people. And remember that management is systems and processes. 
And we have to grow and know the difference between the two so that we can adequately merge them and move forward in our lives and in the organization. So, Emily, is there anything else that we want to cover during this episode number one? No, I think that's a fantastic note for people to remember the difference between leadership and management. And like one way you can remember leadership is lead is in the word leadership. So that's a little um, easier. But yeah, I think um, this is a wrap on our first podcast. Okay. First episode. Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And as you have already seen, we're going to be informal. This is not some kind of a studio production, you know, where, you know, I'm in a suit and a tie, (laughs) you know, you know, and Emily's dressed up to the nines, although she does look very, very beautiful this morning is operations guy, firehouse guy. It's firehouse talks with Jersey Rick. If you want something really looking fancy and all that kind of stuff, well, this ain't the place then. So We'll see you now. And we drink coffee too. That's right. That's right. We drink coffee on the show because, hey, when I showed up out at the firehouses to spend time with the crews, we always drank coffee. So until the next episode, thank you for taking the time to join us on Firehouse Talks with Jersey Rick.